people in the crowd were holding up signs that, with a big picture of his face that says, Malik eats babies. <laughs> um, so. This is Tall Can Audio. <laughs> What's up, everybody? Welcome inside a Friday edition of the Tall Can Audio Podcast. Matt Robinson along with you, as always. Hope you'll uh, give us a follow on social media at Tall Can Audio. Make sure you're subscribed to the pod wherever you're hearing us right now. And uh, got a great show for you today. I've, I've been looking forward to this one for a while. I know I've mentioned it a bunch of times. Uh, author Ethan Shiner is here today, and we're going to talk about his book, Freedom to Win. Uh, this, of course, is the story of the uh, the Czech hockey team during the Soviet occupation following World War II. And, uh, and how sports was the only way that the Czechs had to push back against the Russians. And so uh, a fantastic story, and uh, I'm glad Ethan agreed to come on and, and talk a little bit about it. We will put the links to the book in the show notes. And uh, if you are interested in checking it out for yourself, of course, if you use our links, Amazon will give us a couple of bucks, of a, uh, you know, a bit of a kickback for sending you their way. Uh, you'll pay what you were always going to pay, but uh, but they help us out a little bit. So if you want to support the podcast, that's a good way to do it. Um, I will mention that uh, next week we've got a couple of interesting guests lined up as our pals Michaela Schreider and Steve Bunda will return. Uh, Schreider's will be in on Tuesday evening, so probably look for that one on Wednesday morning. And then on uh, on Thursday, Bunda will be in early afternoon, so we're not sure whether or not we'll get that one out just kind of that day or, or wait for Friday morning, but uh, it's always great to have those guys in studio. Uh, looking forward to to catching up with them as well. So stick around for all of that. With all that out of the way, let's bring them in. We've talked to uh, we've talked some Ottawa Senators. We've saw, talked some Toronto Maple Leafs here this week, and now we're off to a place that maybe we didn't expect to be during the first week of the NHL season. We're headed to Northern <laughs> California to talk to Ethan Shiner. How's it going today? Hey, it's terrific. Thanks so much for having me. I'm uh, I'm really excited you're here. I want to talk to you about your book, and uh, I, I read it on the dock over the summer and, and couldn't put it down. I actually finished it in basically two, three days at most. Uh, I was really excited wow. about it. Yeah. Tell uh, tell everybody about the title and just where, uh, where the idea came to you to go down this road. Yeah, so, so the, the, the basic title is very straightforward. It's Freedom to Win. That's nice and short, but then the subtitle gets super long. It's... A Cold, War, a Cold War story of the courageous hockey team that fought the Soviets for the soul of its people and Olympic gold. And it's almost like I don't need to write any book after I've <laughs> had that subtitle there. Um, we, we had all sorts of conversations about what we should be doing as far as subtitle and how to make it clear what the book was about. But the, the basic story here is I, I was teaching a class. So, you know, I was teaching a class on politics and sports. And early on in the course, I realized I didn't know what the hell I was doing. <laughs> I was looking for I was looking for content. I didn't really know what I was going to be teaching about. And I was pretty quickly though realizing that hockey was a really fascinating, really amazing part to the Cold War. I mean, it was stuff beyond, you know, the miracle on ice stuff that the US constantly talks about, you know, things like the Summit series and all that sure. and, you know, with Canada and the Soviet Union, of course. And I, but I'm still freaking out, thinking, okay, what am I going to teach about? And I come across this terrific book by a, a then ESPN hockey writer, still hockey guy, Tal Pinchevsky, writes this awesome book called Breakaway, and it's about uh, defectors from the Eastern Bloc who come, you know, sneak, you know, try and incredibly bravely come sneak to the West from Eastern Europe 
and the Soviet Union, um, and they come and play in the NHL. And I'm thinking this is an amazing story as it starts off with the Soviet Union invading this little country of Czechoslovakia. And the only way the people of Czechoslovakia can fight back is at the 1969 World Ice Hockey Championships. And I think this is the coolest story I have ever ever heard. It's amazing, except for the part about, you know, half a million troops invading this, this well, there's poor that, country. Yeah. <laughs> there's that, right? But, so I'm thinking, this is awesome. I'm going to teach my students this, and then I get to page nine and realize that's all Tal's talking about in the book about this story. And, you know, the rest of his book is wonderful stuff about defectors, things like the Stosnys and everything, but mm. I'm like, I, I got to teach my students. And in the end, I couldn't find enough to teach my students. So I think, okay, I'll, I'll teach them other stuff. And I couldn't stop thinking about the story. And so eventually I just, I went to Eastern Europe. I went to the Czech Republic. I went to Slovakia. I've interviewed all sorts of amazing people like Bobby Holik, like Peter Stosny. And I got this incredible story. And at one point, I interviewed um, the tennis legend Martina Navratilova, who was oh, wow, a kid yeah. growing up in Czechoslovakia at the time that the Soviet Union invaded in 1968. And she she was this brave little kid. You know, she becomes you know the greatest tennis player in the world sure. after she defects to the United States. But. There, you know, she. I spoke to her and I asked her about these 1969 hockey matches because they were the thing in Czechoslovakia. That's all anybody was thinking about at the time was fight back against the Soviets on the ice. And I said, tell me about these hockey matches. And she said, those games went beyond sports. They gave the people hope. They let us know that we had the freedom to win. And I'm like, oh, cool. Okay. <laughs> There's my title. It's, yeah. it's, it's terrific, right? And one of the things that, that for me is I would never ever say I'm an expert, but I'm fascinated by military history, right? Like I'm all into, yeah. you know, Dan Carlin's Hardcore History podcast and this sort of stuff. I, I find myself going down all sorts of YouTube rabbit holes and stuff. And of course, as the cliched Canadian guy, I'm a hardcore hockey fan as well. But it's it's rare to there find these two intersecting, right? And, and becoming yeah. uh, part of the same story. I'm curious, and obviously I know the answer from from having read the book, but like take us inside, like you're not, a hockey fan are you when you discover that you're going to tell this story i mean that's the thing that's sort of preposterous about me <laughs> writing this book i mean i am a northern california kid right i mean when i grew up and i mean when i was growing up in you know the greater san francisco area i mean the United States, outside of, you know, areas like Boston or Chicago, it was hard to watch the NHL mm -hmm. growing up. I, I actually, it was very difficult for me. I, I could occasionally see an all-star game. And so the extent of my NHL knowledge was basically Wayne Gretzky when I was growing sure. up. And so, yeah, I didn't, I wasn't able to get very much except from my friend from Philadelphia who would tell me about the Flyers and, you know, how, how badass they were. <laughs> yeah. um, but... Um, no, and so I was not an, a I was not a logical person to be writing this story, but it's such an amazing story. It right. was just such an incredible tale of you know how can sports really mean something? How can it mean so much to a people? But also, it's it's really kind of a cool thing too. It's it's about underdogs. You right. know, it doesn't even have to be a country. It's like the, these are the 
the heart, the, the central characters in this story are three young men who all grew up in this tiny town that started off with 10,000 people. And they became heroes to this town first as the heroes to the little, you know, the underdog little town. So it's an amazing story. Yeah. It's fascinating to me. I'm also going to go out on a limb and just assume you don't speak Czech. I don't. Yeah, no, no. That's it's so, a good limb for you to go out onto. Right. And so when you travel to do this, there's a part of me that's thinking as I'm reading this story, like this is a guy who's learning, like being spoken to in multiple languages he doesn't understand, right? First there's Czech and then in these hockey language or or the hockey kind of phrases that yeah. get thrown around and you're kind of battling through both of them. I'm, I'm curious, what kind of support did you get when you went over to do these interviews? Um, like who was willing or who was able to kind of help you, you know, connect and, exactly. and, and make these bridges? Yeah, I mean, you're you're pointing to what was the hardest thing for me in the whole project. So, I mean, I, you know, I, I am a political science professor, and so I've got a background in studying politics. Mm-hmm. And so I actually, I grew up uh, learning Japanese. And so I used to interview Japanese politicians, you know, things like that. And so I don't <laughs> like the idea of not being able to speak directly to the people, you know, that, you know, speak in the same language as right. the people I'm interviewing. It really kind of bothers me. Um, I will say, you know, my initial interviews were in English. Like Bobby Holik was one of the first people I spoke to in English. I spoke to a bunch of the Canadian players who were at those 1969 matches. Um, that was, you know, that was all straightforward. Then I get to the Czech Republic and, um, some people I was, you know, were, were you know, some of the, uh, more recent people like Dominic Hasek. I, sure. You know, I could speak to him just fine in English. Um, but when it came to the guys who were playing in 1969, I had fortunately, before I headed off to the Czech Republic, I had met a young woman. I was connected with her through the Slavic languages department at a local university. <laughs> she had just graduated from Berkeley and she just happened to be in the Czech Republic at the time. She had grown up with Czech parents in around Los Angeles. And so she was my interpreter when I was in the Czech Republic. Um, and so that was, I mean, it, first of all, it was amazing that I could speak to these people still, you know, who sure. had been, you know, young men in, in the late 60s. But it meant with some of them, I, I really couldn't ask the follow-up questions very well. And so that was a really hard part of the whole thing. It's funny when I, I started, you know, you, you don't get very far into this before you hear the name Holik. And mm-hmm. um, as a hardcore Toronto Maple Leafs fan, I can tell you in the late 90s, <laughs> there weren't many names you hated more than Bobby Holik, who was a star for the New Jersey Devils. And he would just beat us every year in the playoffs for like two, three straight years. And I'm like, oh, here we go. Right. Like, I, I see the lens we're going to tell this story through. And yet by the yep. end of it, you come out kind of cheering for this family and everything that they've been through, which I got to tell you, I thought at the time was maybe an impossible task to get me to like Bobby. (laughs) It's amazing how many people say that about Bobby, the further he's gotten from his playing days. Right. Uh, Bobby's told me some great stories about various things yelled at him. I think my favorite thing I ever heard about Bobby was, uh, and he couldn't remember which stadium it was in, but someplace he was playing and people in the crowd were holding up signs that with a big picture of his face that says, Holik eats babies. <laughs> um, so <laughs> that's an all timer. Yeah. But, uh, you know, uh, so, yes, I've heard the legend of Bobby Holik. The thing about, you know, Bobby was this really tough. I don't care what any of you think kinds of players who, yes, would just drive people nuts. 
the incredible thing about Bobby. So, so at the center of my story were Bobby's dad and Bobby's uncle, mm -hmm. who were stars for the Czechoslovakia hockey team. And, and, you know, the story is, you know, at its, at its core about them. They had grown up, um, they, they were born under the Nazi occupation during World War II. Um, and in the middle of this, their dad opens this butcher shop. And so it's, it's what the whole family is putting their heart and soul into. And then when the communists take over in Czechoslovakia in the late 1940s, very soon the communists take away the whole leak butcher shop. And that's kind of, you know, that's the, the foil for the whole story is this, this family hates the communists right. for what they've done. And as a result, partly of this, but also the fact that as, as uh, gritty and annoying, perhaps, as Bobby was, his dad was way more over the top. I mean, it's hard to believe, but <laughs> yeah. his dad was the most intense, wild person I've ever heard of in sports. And... He hated the communists so much, which meant, therefore, he was particularly over the top when he fought the Soviets. And so on one side, you're sitting there going, wow, this guy is, he's a little bit much. On the other hand, you're rooting for him because he's fighting so hard for everything he believes in. It's a really interesting, um, you know, way to frame the story or or kind of setting that you've picked here because it, it the book starts with, as you sort of suggested, the end of World War II and these people are going to be freed. They're going to be out yeah. from Nazi occupation, but it doesn't last. And all of a sudden the Soviets roll in. They don't want to see freedom becoming a thing here. They want to kind of keep control over the way this, this region of Europe is going to play out. And it's sort of framed and, and bookended by the 1998 Olympic Games where the yeah. Soviet Union has fallen, but all these Czech kids have grown up you know, with stories from their parents or their grandparents or understanding what it was like to be suppressed by the Russians. And that's who they end up playing in the gold medal game at the 98 Olympics uh, after beating Canada in a shootout, which was not super enjoyable. Oh, yeah. um, but no. I'm curious, when you set out to do this project, do you sort of have those two um end dates or a beginning date and end date in mind or is that just the natural progression of the story as you get deeper into it sort of how does that come together this this 50-year period yeah that's a great question so the whole thing as i said before you know i got started just with this idea of yeah, exactly as you said you, you put it really well so you know czechoslovakia had been this really oppressive had this horribly repressive regime life was really hard for people in czechoslovakia and then they started to get more freedom in 1968 the government started taking the shackles off mm -hmm. and the soviet union doesn't like that so they send the troops in and so right there the hockey matches in 1969 where people look at these matches as the chance to fight back for what the soviets did to them okay Right there, that's thrilling to me, and I know that's going to be the center of my story. Right. And then I learn, oh my gosh, I learned something actually even before I fully kind of put together the 1998 part. I learned that in 1950, or in the late 1940s, Czechoslovakia had the best hockey team in all of Europe mm -hmm. and was really, except for Canada, you know, you know, wasn't even close to as good as Canada, you know, the, the real Canadian teams in the, in the 1940s. But except for the real Canadian teams in the 1940s, you know, Czechoslovakia was you know, probably the best, you know, national hockey team yeah. in the world. 
But then 1950, the thing that gets really wild is the communist government gets afraid that the hockey team's going to defect. So the government imprisons the whole national hockey team, including sending two guys, sentencing them to 15 years in the uranium mines. And so I'm sitting there going... what on earth so you've got this story of fighting the soviet but this is 20 years after you know they've got the regime doing this amazing stuff and then i learned all about 1998 and how 1998 was this team for the czech republic of these guys who had grown up learning as you said about the soviets invaded us in 1968 and the only way we were able to fight back was through hockey and so you had this incredible generation I mean, it was a tiny country yes. it was only like 15, 15 million people so you don't have that many kids who who can play but like every boy in the country is wants to play hockey and wants to stick it to the soviets in hockey so then you've got this incredible team that is able to you know, fight Russia in the gold medal match in 1998. So once I learned about those three different things, I kind of sat there and went, okay, I've got a beginning, I've got a middle, and I've got an end to the whole story. Right. I, I'm curious. There's a lot of, you know, this is obviously a very tough period. We're talking about a country being oppressed by multiple different uh, governments and groups over the over its lifetime. People losing businesses, uh, heart wrenching decisions by athletes about whether they're going to defect and leave their families behind. What might happen if they do? I'm curious, and obviously it's fine if you don't want to use any names here, or whatever. But if you ran into anyone who <laughs> who wasn't prepared to talk to you about a certain thing, or that was too hard to get into for them, was there any? You know, this is, a, for a lot of people, a very emotional story. I'm wondering yeah. if there was anyone who said, that's a bridge too far for me. I, I don't want to talk about that. Yeah, I shouldn't mention names on this, but there were definitely some people who, uh, especially people who had defected, mm-hmm. and they had gotten help along the way, and they just didn't, they still wanted to avoid mentioning any names for fear of getting anybody into trouble. And they also look back on that time of them, def- I mean, like, if you defected, um, you know, if you were, uh, you know, somebody living in Czechoslovakia and you snuck out of the country, your whole family got punished. Right. Um, and, and so, I mean, it was devastating for people's families. Like, I mean, by punished, I mean, like they were fired. They mm-hmm. couldn't get employment. Um, the rest of the family could. I mean, one of the most amazing stories within within this story is. So I mentioned Bobby's dad. Um, so Yaroslav Holik. I mean, one of the things that's also incredible about this story is Yaroslav Holik decided that life was going to be too hard for his kids, like really risky, like the communists could do anything to them. Right. And so he said, I'm going to make it so they can escape and be able to make a living outside. So he trained Bobby, obviously, to become a hockey player, but he trained his daughter, Andrea, to become one of the best young tennis players in the world. And she went on to win the Wimbledon Junior Singles Tournament. Mm -hmm. So... When she ended up defecting, Bobby got punished. He actually got removed from the junior national team he was on. So these punishments were all over the place. So there were a lot of people, I wouldn't say a lot of people, there were some people who really weren't comfortable talking to me about what they'd gone through because it was so painful. Yeah. One of the things that I, I, and maybe I just had forgotten or never put two and two together at the time, was that Bobby Holik wasn't at those 98 Olympic Games yeah. for the Czech Republic. After this story, the overwhelming majority of it, as it kind of paints or, or works through the timeline of the Holik family, they're, they're key to the entire story. And yep. he wasn't there to enjoy that with his teammates. 
Yeah, that was, from a storytelling perspective, that was unfortunate for me. Sure, yeah. <laughs> you know, it would it would have fit in more cleanly. But, you know, one of the things that I, I asked Bobby about this, I mean, within, I, I've spent a, many hours. Bobby was, was the central person who, I mean, Bobby was incredible throughout this project. He introduced me to so many different people, and he's, uh, he, he really feels very strongly about having the story, not his part in the story, but the story about these the, the older generation, the people of his dad's generation, he really wants everybody to know how much they sacrificed for the sake of the future generation. Mm-hmm. And so he, he wanted to, he gave me as much time as I needed. Bobby was amazing. But one of the things I asked Bobby about was, okay, so, I mean, <laughs> are you bummed that you worked right. on the 1998 Olymp- you know, Olympic team? I mean, how do you feel about that? And he had this, I mean... I don't think he was just rationalizing. Maybe somebody would suggest he is, but I don't think he was. I mean, he's not that kind of person. He sat there and he said, you know, um, there are more important things than a gold medal to me. What was the most important thing is I grew up with no freedom. And so what was most important to me is that I had the ability to make my own decision, whatever the consequences. So in his mind, he had, in a sense, already won just by having the freedom to be in the West. Right. And and we should tell people, like, the reason he wasn't there was because he had had to give up mm. his citizenship after defecting. Is that the the way that had played out? Uh, like, he had become quite. an American that's, citizen? That's, that's what happened. Yeah. Is So, I mean, this is one of the things we also forget about with these guys is so um, – so the, the revolution in Czechoslovakia occurred late in 1989. And so you've got players, um, and so including you know, Jager and Hasek, all coming to the West in 1990. So it's just immediately after the revolution, immediately mm-hmm. as, as the, you know, Czechoslovakia became democratic. So all these people had no experience of living in, you know, or you know, they had six months of experience living in a free Czechoslovakia. And so when Bobby looked back on his life in Czechoslovakia, he sat there and went, you know, I, I love so much about this country, but I hate the regime and I hate, you know, what I lived under. So he saw coming to the West as, you know, this is, this is the freedom I've always sought. And so he very quickly wanted to become an American citizen. And so that's what happened. And I think 1996, he became an American citizen and so wasn't eligible anymore for the Czech team. It's just wild to see that that's how it, it played out, right? Uh, you'd love to have thought that the, as you said, not everything works out when you're telling a story. You don't always yeah. get the, the happy ending, but you would have loved to have seen that whole leak name get the gold medal after beating the... Uh, it would have been really cool, yeah. very definitely. Uh, so, but one thing actually that was really amazing was Yaramir Yager wearing n- number 68 on his Czech jersey as a remembrance of what had happened with the Soviets invading in 1968. I thought that was fantastic. Um, you know, yeah. I did not know that about Yager's number and why he had chosen 68, but you kind of paint a picture in that book of how important those numbers are to the, the country of Czechoslovakia. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Uh, so when you finish a project like this and, you know, you're getting ready to, to release it out into the world, like what are your expectations of it? This is a story that once you get into it is fantastic, but it's one that, as you suggest, was sort of dropped into your lap. You, you didn't really, as soon as you heard it, yeah, I got to get into this. You know, did you know right away this was, this was a story that I have to tell? This is a book I want to get out in there. And I'm curious what the response has been like. Yeah, that's a... Uh 
That's a really fascinating question. I mean, I, I, I've had weird expectations as I've gone along. Immediately when I, when I got the three parts, you know, the part about the, the team being imprisoned, the incredible story of the invasion in 68 and the way they fought back, Czechoslovakia fought back in 1969 on the ice, and then the 1998 Nagano Olympics. Right there, once I knew those things, I knew I had to write the book. It was, it was just one of those, I wasn't, I wasn't going to stop researching and I was always going to be Googling stuff, so I might as well write a book about it. Mm-hmm. Um, I really had no idea what the ex- uh, the, the expectations were going to be, what the reception was going to be like. And right after I turned in the man, the final, final manuscript, I get an email from uh, Ken Campbell, hockey writer, hmm. uh, who says he has just written, uh, he's just read the manuscript and he loves it. And he is going to be writing a piece on it for the hockey news. Oh, wow. And I'm just sitting there going, really? If I'm trying <laughs> to reach hockey fans, this it. isn't a bad place to be. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, completely blew my mind that here I am, this kid from Northern California who, you know, just came across this amazing story, but did I even know what I was doing? <laughs> and uh, Ken proceeded to write this I mean, really amazing piece that, I mean, just gorgeous two page spread, um, pictures from the book and just really both praising the story, but also really telling why the story is so important and how thrilling the the story is. And, um, so from there I was in, uh, this piece on my book was a two page spread in the champions edition of the hockey news in July this year. And it was, that was, I mean, the thrill of a lifetime. I, I just couldn't believe it. So yeah, it's, it's, um, I have no idea, you know, what what makes a book exciting to people, what what makes it that it'll sell. Right. But that right there was incredible. I can't even, to be honest with you, I can't even remember where it came across my timeline, whether it had been somebody retweeting it or, or something like that. But I was like, you know what, when I go away to the cottage this summer, that sounds like something I'm going to want to sit down and read. And I, like I said, I absolutely blew through it. I thought it was brilliantly put together. The details, uh, um, as someone, I'll, I'll be honest with you, as someone who's a hardcore hockey fan, I would have had no idea that you, you yourself did not grow up watching <laughs> the game. Um, and the history <laughs> elements of it were fascinating. Just, uh, as you said, more than anything else, it's an underdog story, right? These people have been under the right. thumb of somebody for a very long time. And sports is the only outlet they have to push back against the Russians. It was Man, it was just a terrific read. Congratulations on it, because I, oh, I just loved it. Thank you so much. No, I'm I'm really I'm really touched by all that, and I really appreciate all of this. So before we get out of here, I, I want to give you a chance again to hit the full title. Uh, I have uh, freedom to win here in front of me. I did not, I did not write down the entire thing, and uh, you know some people have specific ways that they prefer to see it bought, or you know certain uh, you know bookstore elements. Uh, tell people about the book, where they can pick it up, and uh, and we'll happily link to That's all of right. it in the show notes. Oh, thank you. Yes, it is Freedom to Win, a Cold War story of the courageous hockey team that fought the Soviets for the soul of its people and Olympic gold. And you can get it pretty much any bookstore. So whatever works best for you in, in terms of, you know, buying books, whatever makes you you know happy is whatever bookstore you want to support. You can you can get them in most places. That's terrific. Uh, Ethan Shiner, thank you so much for making time for me. I'll let the good listener in here. I had a horrible technical issue earlier in the day. So Ethan has also been kind enough to reschedule schedule for me um really appreciate you making the time absolutely loved the book and it was a thrill to get to talk to you about it matt thank you so much this is great
All right, so there goes Ethan Shiner. That was uh, that was fun, and as I've said a few different times, and and said during the interview, there, I I thought the book was uh, was terrific, and that was the main reason to reach out and uh, and talk to this guy during opening week in the National Hockey League. We're talking 1960s Czech versus Soviet hockey to a guy in Northern California. So that was that was kind of fun. As I said, if you're interested in checking out the book for yourself. The link will be in the show notes at talkinaudio.com or whatever podcast app you're hearing me through right now. Uh, And if you want to buy the book through those links, we'll get a tiny bit of a a kickback there. Don't forget, Michaela Schreider and Steve Bunda are both going to be on the podcast uh, next week. That's going to be great. Looking forward to having them back in studio. Uh, But until then, we'll wind this one down here. Have yourselves a great weekend. My name's Matt Robinson. Thank you for listening. We'll see you later. What was that? Number one bullshit. Oh, number one bullshit. Why are you so pissy?